I'm a park ranger in the Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. As a park ranger, especially way out here, you spend a fair amount of time alone and isolated from civilization. You also see and hear many strange things out in the wild. Most of the time, however, they're explainable. A rare animal, a wayward hiker, or even just the wind. But none of these explain what I saw a few weeks ago. I had been caught out to one of the park's more remote areas. There had allegedly been several sightings of a mountain lion, and a newly married couple even claimed that they were stalked by the animal. My superiors just wanted me to head out and see if I found any evidence of the lion's presence. If I did, I was to radio back to HQ so that the team could be sent out to relocate it. Mountain lions in the park certainly aren't common, but they aren't unheard of either. I was pretty skeptical myself. I had only caught glimpses of them twice in my seven-year tenure, and neither time was anywhere near a hiking trail. But duty called, so I headed out to the area where the claims were coming from, on what I thought would be a fruitless search. I really wish it had been. The first area I checked out was a clearing parked alongside one of the smaller streams, flowing out from the mountains. Camping was prohibited here, but I saw obvious signs of a campfire and a small stack of firewood. The man who had made the report conveniently left this detail out of his accounting. I wasn't much of a tracker and I couldn't see any evident signs of the animals passing, but I did have to admit that the area presented a likely spot for a predator's ambush. The trees on the edge of the clearing were packed in tight, providing lots of concealment, and two different game trails led through the thick woods towards the stream. I headed towards the second destination, where the couple had their sighting. It was about a three-hour hike from where I was. I couldn't use a vehicle along the narrow trail, and about halfway in, I began to feel rather than see something just past the edge of my vision. Glimpses of movement or quick flashes of something brown. I started to get a little nervous at this point. Cougars are unrivaled masters of the ambush in North America, and if there was really one out here, I would have a real hell of a time spotting it through the dense brush. I told myself that the movement I had seen was probably an elk or a deer and just kept going. Another 20 minutes later, I was proven wrong. Sixth sense, divine intervention, instinct, call it what you want. I was mid-stride when an alarm went off in my head, screaming for me to duck, and I did. Just as I hit the ground, I felt something go soaring over the top of my head, and then I heard it hit the ground a few feet away. I scrambled to my feet and went to reach for my service pistol when I was struck frozen in abject awe and terror. I know how this next part is going to sound, I really do, and I wouldn't believe me either, but I was there and I saw what I saw, crouched a dozen paces away like it was straight out of a fifth grade textbook, was a saber-toothed tiger. It was wheeling back around after its landing and it stopped completely when it saw my face. It was panting and a long sliver of drool dropped to the ground from the six-inch tusk along the side of its mouth. Even in a state of shock, the survivor in me sized the thing up and it must have been nearly 700 pounds. If that thing got on top of me, I was dead. 
dead out here alone in the wilderness, slaughtered by a creature that's been extinct for I don't even know how many thousands of years. We both stood frozen, eyes locked onto one another. I think I completely stopped breathing, and I was vaguely aware of my hand on the holster of my weapon. I imagined the stench of fear washing over me and coalescing into a tangible cloud to be wafted up by the prehistoric nightmare in front of me. It placed one thick padded paw forward and broke the trance. Like an old west gunfighter, I ripped my pistol out of its holder and banged out two wild shots in the creature's direction. I hadn't aimed and was never a good shot anyway. And both shots went way wide of the creature, but it was enough to scare it off. It was gone in a flash, off into the brush alongside the game trail. Without a second thought, I turned and ran as fast as I could the way I had come. I can't remember exactly when, but at some point, my bag caught on a tree limb and still panicking, ripped it off my shoulder, leaving the bag behind. Water, radio, and food were all left behind me. I noticed about 15 minutes later, when my lungs felt like they were going to burst, and had to stop to rest. After recovering, I took stock of my situation. I was alone in the park, hours away from help, with no way to call for it, and an apex predator somewhere in the vicinity. I was coming to realize just how screwed I was. When a guttural roar nearby drove the point home even further, I started running again. The next few hours were horrific. It petrifies me to even think about it let alone put it all down on paper. In short, this creature stalked me for three hours. Twice more it came to attack, and twice more my gunshots drove it away. When I had finally got close to where my vehicle was parked, I made a dash. With the last few pieces of ammo shot off at intervals to help keep the creature at bay, it worked, and I made it back into the truck without so much as another glimpse of the thing. You can imagine how my report went. I've been restricted to what amounts to desk duty, surrendering my service pistol, and I'm starting mandatory therapy next week. After what I experienced that day in the mountains, maybe I need it. When my mom died, I had to drive from where I was working in Chula Vista, California, all the way to Benson, Arizona, to help my dad. My sisters would fly into Tucson the next day, and it was on me to pick them up and keep things moving. I got the call around 6, so I knew if I left right then, I wouldn't get there until well after midnight. But I didn't want to sleep in my own bed, and I hated the idea of having Dad be on his own, so I threw a bag together and hit the road. Thankfully, once you're on I-8, it's a pretty straight shot, so I could just turn my brain off. It was dark by the time I crossed the border and hit Yuma, and the stress of it had me fatigued. To keep from getting too sleepy, I turned on the radio and tried to find something I could sing along to. Past Yuma is pretty much straight up desert for something like 200 miles. Thankfully, the road is straight, so I could pretty much just let my mind wander. It was a weeknight, and after I cleared the suburbs, there was hardly anybody on the road. At one point, I drove over 10 miles without seeing a single set of headlights. After the better part of an hour, the radio started getting glitchy. Reception can be rough out here, so when it went full-on static, I didn't think much of it and switched it off. 
My phone on the dash was giving me directions, and it started going crazy too. It kept saying, recalculate it, then proceed to the route, then would cycle back over again. Whenever it seemed like it was about to grab onto a signal, it would jump back to square one. I was staring at it trying to figure out what the problem was. Then, it just went dead. It's not like I needed the directions right then, but I couldn't help messing with my phone, so I unplugged it and I pulled it out of the stand. It wouldn't turn on. Whatever loop it had gotten caught in bricked it. I kid you not, within five miles a whole line of headlights sprang up out of the dark. They came up from the opposite direction, and when they got closer, I could see that they were taking up both lanes of traffic. Not wanting to get hit, I flipped on my brights so they would know for sure I was there. They didn't get out of the lane though. To make things even more interesting, my car started to sputter and the dash lights kept dimming and surging. With no other choice, I pulled off the shoulder as fast as I could, without going down into a gully. Almost as soon as I put it in park, my car's electrical system went dead just like my phone. Within a minute, this massive caravan of cars came up and rolled to a stop. There had to be over 30 trucks traveling in a pack. Everyone was a military vehicle with all the lights. One of the trucks in the front pulled nose to nose with me and two soldiers got out, shining their flashlights right into my car. They came up on either side of my car and one of them knocked on my hood and called me to get out. I didn't want to, but they made it pretty clear that if I didn't get out on my own, they would pull me out. Once I was standing with them, they asked me about my phone, cameras, or any other electronics. I told them that mine were dead, and they demanded that I handed it over. I got out of the car and they checked it over. Then one of them leaned back over his shoulder and waved for the line to keep moving. Everything started up at once, and the noise was shocking truck after truck rolled by, each one filled with soldiers eyeing me up. In the middle of everything was this massive flatbed truck, loaded down with something that extended almost to either edge of the highway. It was roughly covered with a tarp, but it was very clearly circular. The parts of it that I could see were smooth metal. I would have looked harder, but the two soldiers kept staring at me, making it clear that I shouldn't look too hard. Right behind this wide load, there were three trucks carrying boxy units on the back. They looked almost like refrigeration trucks, but with all kinds of pipes and panels covering them. The back loading doors were secured with heavy padlocks, and an armed soldier hung off the back of each. At last, the whole thing moved past me, and the two guys watching me got into action. One handed me my phone and made it clear that I should get moving. They climbed into their truck and sped off down the shoulder, I guess to get back in front of the line. I got back into my car and sat there for a little while trying to sort out what I had just seen. After a bit, my phone screen lit up, like nothing had happened. Taking that as a sign, I turned the key and my car started up like normal. It was well after 2 in the morning when I got to my dad's place, and I just went to bed and tried to sleep. He had so much on his plate, I never told him about the crazy military escort I had seen the night before. A couple of times, I almost convinced myself that I had dreamed the whole thing. That I had been so tired and emotionally drained that I nodded off and woke up on the shoulder. Maybe I did. 
But I remember the situation far too clearly for it all to be just a dream. As a kid, I spent quite a lot of time outdoors. I grew up around the salt marshes of South Carolina. There's a pretty unique culture around there. There's a lot of belief in magic, kind of dark magic, and lots of spiritualism. So I'm used to weird stories, but I never tended to give that much attention. Most everyone who spent enough time there has their own spooky story, but this is one of mine that I never believed I would experience. When I first became a ranger, I didn't want to move too far away from home. I got a position at a state park at the bottom of South Carolina. Over a period of couple weeks, we had started getting reports from campers of hearing these weird high-pitched screeching noises. And weirdly, people were complaining of moss. Our coastline were having problems with these invasive tallow trees. And I think the government had released some insects, including moths, to eat the seeds for prevention purposes. In any case, I had been increasing my patrols, trying to keep an eye on everything. This one day when I was out, the woods just felt odd. They felt strangely alive for some reason. I don't really know how to explain it. Everything looked the same, but my surroundings seemed to be luring me in. I know it sounds crazy, but... I was kind of used to general strangeness of that area and didn't know any different. But when I started hearing that high-pitched noise, it was definitely something new to me. There was this weird urgency to it. I followed the sound through the woods. I didn't notice any specific bird or animal that could be making that noise. But I found a strange path where the vines had been bent and formed into this bizarre shape. There was this folklore around there that referred to the sigils. Supposedly, these occult signs which represent various angels and demons are used to summon people towards a bad end. Whatever these shapes were, they were really unnatural looking and gave me this really creepy feeling. But since I didn't believe in such things, I followed the path marked with these symbols through the woods. I came to a small circular clearing around a huge tree. The tree was probably about five feet in diameter, and the clearing around it was probably around and the clearing around it was three feet around, with the ring of smaller trees making a wall or a fence around the tree in the clearing. I still remember how odd that formation was of all those trees. I thought it was cool though. I remember the longer I followed the sound, the stranger I felt. I have never felt quite the same feeling. My gut would have preferred that I turned around and go back. But honestly, that was what pushed me forward even more. I wanted to know what must be so terrible that my instincts were so persistently pulling me against the direction I was traveling in. So I walked around the clearing surrounding this big tree a few times. I noticed a smaller path leading out of the tree ring area. The path was narrow. And though definitely beaten into the ground, it was overgrown with thorns. I'll never forget the feeling I got as I approached this overgrown path. It felt like my insides were begging me not to continue forward. So, of course, I did. I used my walking stick to push the brambles out of my way. I followed this tiny path. It was pretty short and oddly dark, as if the ground had been burnt. The path turned a corner and I saw this small area. 
Just a small, like, five-by-five spot of woods that was all burnt. There was a tree in front of me. It was charred and about a foot in diameter. The top half of the tree was all burnt up. I swore I could hear some low mumbling. The next second, I heard a loud crash coming from my left on the small trail I had come off of. I just dropped to the ground. As I was laying there, I saw a silhouette coming up from the path. It kind of had the outline of feathers on it, and it was ungodly tall and humanoid, but sickly thin. It was going from tree to tree not very far from me and was looking all around, snapping its head back and forth and making this low mumbling sound as it moved. Then it lifted its head up and broke out into that screeching sound. I saw its face that seemed to have no features with these horrible red eyes. By this time, I was lying flat on the ground in the tall grasses. I watched as it spread these incredibly leathery wings and shot off down the path faster than anything I've ever seen. That's the moment that I will never, ever forget. The moment was so quick. I mean, it was like in the blink of an eye, but so powerful and striking. It's burned into my mind. It shot off, then seemed to lift up into the trees and disappear into the distance. I just ran, not even the way I came. I didn't even care where I ended up, as long as it was away from there. I ended up bursting out of the woods almost into somebody's campsite. I had to immediately tone down my fear and make my way back to the station, acting like I was just fine. You can just imagine what my report must have sounded like to my supervisor. All they could really do was get the word out to all the rangers to be on the lookout for an unspecified walking flying creature. I honestly didn't tell anyone else until very recently. That was a few years ago now, and I'm no closer to an explanation than I ever was.